about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Let's open with prayer. Father God, we do thank you this evening for this gathering together. We welcome the Holy Spirit who will take the things of yours and reveal them unto us. Open the eyes of our understanding. We yield ourselves now to the Word of God, to the Kingdom of God, to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We make ourselves available. We choose. We say we have ears to hear what the Spirit will speak to us this evening. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> Glory to God. Okay, as you can see, this is our fifth and last week for this series of teachings. Uh, <clears throat> and on our very first scripture, that Matthew 16, 19, who knows what all those little letters and symbols mean after that? Yeah, different translations. So I'll, I'll read them to you as we get going here. But let's, uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Oh, no, don't be shutting the thing off. What in the world? We have operator problems up there. Bear with me, so... <laughs> the thing is wanting to get. All right. Yeah, maybe I'll do this. The sort of glaring on me, that helps right there. Matthew 16, 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Isn't that interesting? So, <laughs> Well, I can tell everybody here tonight that Jesus is the Christ. We're, we're, all, right, we're all right sharing that now, so hallelujah. <clears throat> all right, let me go ahead and read a few of these translations to you. That first one, C.E.V., is the contemporary English version. I have it first because, just because of the way it puts it. So this is the same verse that they're talking about, but they're using different language to, to relay those thoughts and meaning. I will give you the kingdoms to the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth. But he will not allow anything that you do not allow. You can see the difference in the meaning there. It puts the emphasis, if you will, on us. That's what the Spirit of God is saying. He gives us the keys of the kingdom, and whatever we allow, he'll allow. Whatever we don't allow, he won't allow. That was the contemporary English version. Let me jump to the Bible in basic English, which is what their BBE means. And you'll see how these all have a different flavor here. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever is fixed by you on earth will be fixed in heaven. Fixed as in made stable. It wasn't anything that was broken, but it's in a fixed place. And whatever you make free on earth will be made free in heaven. Again, notice the emphasis on us as believers in the kingdom of God. Uh, next one is going to be God's Word, the GW. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you imprison, God will imprison. And whatever you set free, God will set free. Again, just different relating of the words. Let's go to the Jubilee Bible. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of the heavens, and whatever thou shalt bind on the earth 
shall be bound in the heavens. And whatever thou shalt loose on the earth shall be loosed in the heavens. You can see the responsibility and the power and anointing that we have and carry in reference to the kingdom of God here on earth. And we'll take our last one. <clears throat> I do have that on here, yeah. Uh, the YLT is the Young's literal translation. And I will give to thee the, key, the keys of the reign of the heavens. And whatever thou mayest bind upon the earth shall be having been bound in the heavens. And whatever thou mayest loose upon the earth shall, shall be having been loosed in the heavens. Again, so several different ways of them relaying it in their words and their understanding and portraying it, but you can see how they all flow together. <clears throat> and now let me go back. I want to read it one more time in the King James again. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You say, what's that got to do with it? almost sounds like we're starting a deliverance class or something here. See, what's that got to do with anything? Well, the adversary would like to bind your finances. He'd like to hinder you from having them. And even if he wasn't working on binding in your finances, he's constantly trying to work on your mind, your thought life and all. And uh, that's very important. And I know when I was a young Christian, <clears throat> not that I'm old, but when I was a young Christian, I can remember having many thought problems, if you will. And it was not recognized, did not know at the time that that was the adversary constantly drilling those things in there. You just suck them up, think they're all yours or whatever. So, But and we'll, we'll re relate to something else on that as we go on this evening. But in reference to the kingdom of heaven and in reference to finances in the kingdom of heaven, this is where we want to be in binding and loosing our finances. When you find something hindering in your life financially, that is the adversary. It's certainly not the Holy Spirit. It's certainly not Jesus or the Father. It's the adversary trying to hinder our life financially speaking. And so our job is to not give them place. <clears throat> uh, the born-again man or woman has been given authority and dominion on planet Earth. That's what you and I have. We may not always recognize it. It may not be a daily thought we have, but that has been given to us. We are kings and priests on this earth. We have dominion and authority, and we need to walk in that and exercise that. Okay, let's move on to Numbers, the 14th chapter. That would be in the Old Testament, but there's something here we definitely want to see. Numbers chapter 14, we're going to go over verse 24. <clears throat> well, well, well. I think the adversary thinks he's going to give me a hard time this evening, but I got news from him, though. He under our feet. Amen. Now, there it says what it's supposed to say. Numbers 14:24. Our note says, Caleb. I remember Caleb in the Old Testament. Caleb. Another spirit followed me fully in the spirit of faith. Now, as we go on, that's our brief notes. When we go on, we'll see what we're talking about here. Uh, in the King James, Numbers 14, 24, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. He says that Caleb, because he had another spirit. What in the world would another spirit be? Well, we're going to find out. But it's interesting that the scripture inspired what God is telling, bringing up that phrase, Caleb had another spirit. How did he get this? 
How do you get what? How do you get this other spirit? The Holy Spirit is what who, what's been referring to. So, but how did he get this? Uh, Romans ten seventeen. You may, I'm sure, many of you probably do recognize the reference, but we're going to look at it anyhow. Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. Here it says, so then faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how would he have got this? By hearing the word of God. Hearing what the spirit of God was relating to them. Hearing through the leaders that were above him even relating these things to us. And if you, it makes a very interesting read if you go back in that numbers area and look in several of those chapters on how Caleb was the one that had to still the people. When they came back from going in and spying out the land, he began to give a good report, and they said, well, you know, we can't do that. They're strong, they're mighty. They get this, they get that, or whatever. And then he spoke right up, tried to put a stop to it right then, because he's a man of faith. <clears throat> so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For you and I to be able to increase our faith, to edify our faith, to have it grow in us, it's going to come by hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God as in Sunday mornings when Pastor Tom preaching. And many of us are jotting down notes because it's fantastic. Well, we're hearing the word of God. That was the word which the Spirit of God has already given him to minister that day. But faith comes by hearing. It also comes by our ears hearing what our mouth has got to say about the king in heaven and about the word of God. Faith comes that way. It, it comes to us. It increases. It grows. <clears throat> Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Next one is not too far away. Romans chapter 12. In verse 3. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me. To every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's telling us right there, believers don't have to worry, excuse me, not believers, unbelievers, before they're coming into the kingdom of God, and even now when they're just coming into the kingdom of God and answering in there, they don't have to say, well, I'm a little late to the party here. I don't have anything. Well, that's not what this verse tells us. In other ones like it. As God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's a portion of faith. Our faith is going to grow in the things we've already been speaking about. When you listen to the word of God, when you yourself speak the word of God, you're making a confession or a profession what God has already spoken to us. And that's going to help and aid increase our faith as well. <clears throat> God hath dealt to every man or woman the measure of faith. And then to tie in with this, we'll go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. 5 says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. That's what their thinking was. That's what had to happen. They needed Jesus to increase their faith. And they're asking him for that. Now, if we, if we went back and looked at what, what preceded that, you'll see what, why they said that. But we're going to go on to verse 6. Excuse me. Yes, verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it, what? And it should obey you. Again, Tying back to the, 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 the dominion and authority that the Spirit of God has given us in planet Earth. And to exercise it. All right, let me, uh, 
Let me look up a couple of meanings here. A grain of mustard seed. Grain is just a kernel. It's, it's a small amount. And then when we come to mustard seed, mustard seed, it says it stings and it hurts, that type of plant. Uh, but let me read a note down below to you. This comes out of a Thayer study. It says, mustard, the name of a plant which in oriental countries grows from a very small seed and attains to the height of a tree, 10 feet, 10 feet and more. Hence, a very small quantity of a thing is likened to a mustard seed and also a thing which grows to remarkable size. And so we, we now put that in the context of what it's telling us here. If he had faith as a grain of mustard seed, which we now know can grow to a, to a very, very, very tiny seed, it's nowhere even close to a watermelon seed. <clears throat> grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now there's many things for, there for us to look at, but that phrase on the end, that it should obey you. We need to understand that, look at that, grasp that. You can look up at different references from those words. But our belief should be in agreement with God's word that when we speak, it's his design and his plan that things obey us. When Jesus told the dumb and deaf spirit to come out, he had, he had no choice. There are instances of some giving them a hard time someplace, but they still don't have a choice. In reality, they don't have a choice in our life. And in the area of finances, what we're talking about, we need to understand that. Again, when we see something out of order, we'll use that phrase, in our finances, well, then we should understand, be plucked up by the root, planted in the sea, and it should obey you. We need to change our mindset to go along with that if we don't already have that mindset. The fact that you have authority and dominion on planet Earth. And in the context we're talking about this evening on finances, we have authority in that area as well. The devil will gladly thwart us, keep us down, cause this to break, cause that to break. Have you thinking wrong things and he's just dangling these thoughts around. We need to understand we have a part in this. We have a very big part in it to affect our life. And so we still have dominion and authority on this planet Earth and in the area of our finances we have that. And his word says in red letters, and it should obey you. And that's what our belief has to be. Well, I didn't change in seven hours. I mean, Monday I was talking to him about it. Thursday, I mean, look, I got a bill due on Friday. Don't necessarily wait to Friday if, if you're going to do something ahead of time. But the point is, recognize that we have dominion and authority on planet Earth, and they will obey us, according to the Word of God. <clears throat> All right, this middle section here, the way I've got it. I want to take a, a minute or two on this, because, like I already, already related, when I was younger, or a young Christian, I absolutely did have, a, have thought problems in many areas which I now understand and recognize that those are the adversary. That was just because you're not a teenager anymore, you're not in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, we'll stop there. <clears throat> but it doesn't stop him from trying to still drop things in you. That's what, he, that's, that's what he has. That's what he has to work with. He doesn't have what you and I got to work with. We got the goods. We got the seed. And so, but he's still going to try to do those things. So we, we'd be mindful of that. So my note here says, do not allow the devil's lies and thoughts to torment and hinder you. And that is exactly what he will try to do. He absolutely will try to torment you with that. And he recognizes that you're bawling and squalling after he drops a few of these thoughts in here. He makes a little note. Takes out his little iPad, if he has one. Makes a note so he can use that again next time because it worked. We are not to give him place. And again, specifically in the area of our finances. We may think, well, I, I, don't give them, I don't give them space. I talk to other Christians and I help pray for some people or whatever. Well, that's good. 
But our, our classes and our sessions are having to do with finances. And he would exactly like to torment, torment us in that as well. And I see uh, many times young believers, by that I mean some that just recently got born again or whatever, and they're beginning to learn this stuff. But, I mean, it doesn't happen by osmosis. All of us are going to have to spend time in the Word of God. And if somebody, if somebody it may be a very young family, they already got three kids. Their hands are full. Both parents are working, trying to make ends meet or whatever. Well, in, it's going to seem like in their mind, and I said, they don't have any time to try to do any of this. But at least if they come to the, the services on Sunday and Wednesday and are able to hear the word of God, that's going to aid them. That's going to help build them up. But it's going to come a point where we're going to have to make time for these things. We spoke a week or so ago about being faithful. We're going to have to recognize this is the kingdom of God. He's the one that wins at all through us because we're the ones that have dominion and authority on planet Earth. And so I hate to see people thinking that they're the problem because the adversaries lied to them. Because I, I, I well know how that can feel and what it can do to us. So we're not to give them place. He is trying to keep you from acting on the word of God. He can't have you acting on the word of God. Well, why not? Because the word of God works. So he's trying to keep you from acting on the word of God, saying. That's how you and I act on the word of God. Now, it can be another physical demonstration of our faith, whatever, but saying is a very big part of it. If I... When we came into the kingdom of God, if I should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so our words are extremely important, and it is by our words that we're going to operate in this authority and dominion. And it's by our words we're going we're to operate in the financial area in our lives in the kingdom of God. That's part of his blessing to us. So acting on the word of God saying the same thing as we got. I have written there from note. What do you mean by the same thing as? The exact same thing as you just read in the word. That's what we're talking about. That's what you're going to be saying. And it says, when he says he has abundance for us, when we get to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 this evening, we're going to see it. It's, it's it's in there many, 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 many times in many different ways because that's the point he's trying to get across to us. He has it all. He owns it all. He's given us dominion and authority here, but now we need to access that and have that become tangible in our lives. And we have a big part in doing that, and we can do it. <clears throat> all right, let's look at this next verse. I believe many of us are probably familiar with that. Uh, Luke chapter 6, 38. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Again, notice this is in red. So this is Jesus Christos speaking here. It says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Well, we can pause right there for a minute. Because we might say, someone else might say, well, I gave, but I didn't get anything back. Well, there may be a case right now, especially if you said that only two hours after you did something. But the point being, this is where we need to come back and rely upon the word of God. This is Jesus speaking. It's in red. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. You and I are capable of lying, but we're not to do that. Uh, my page moved on me again. Give, and it shall be given unto you. So that's what our confession, that's what our understanding needs to be. When we, we find out, well, maybe it didn't work as quick as I thought, or maybe this hasn't happened yet, do not give up on it. Do not know in the natural, you might plant some crop and go away and forget about never tending, 
And it, I don't even know if it'll come to fruition, depending on what the weather was like in that period of time. But certainly when the fall and winter comes, if you're in a different part of the country, that thing's going to be gonzo. Well, that's in a natural seed. You see, well, money's a natural seed. Money is, can be a natural seed. But we're talking about the Word of God seed right here. Given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over. So we need to, under, don't, don't give up because it's been three weeks or three months. And whatever you were trying to operate in, in the kingdom of God and the Word of God, in giving and receiving and sowing and reaping, that it hasn't manifested yet. Do not give up on that. That's why I suggest that you keep a record of your giving and your sowing. Keep a record. I keep a record. Well, you're a tax master. You're a legal guy. No, I'm keeping a record. I'd like to know. Because I can look back. It, well, what month are we in now? May? No. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm cognizant enough to know it's October. But you may look back and say, well, wait a minute now. <clears throat> I did that back in July. I don't believe I received on that yet. Then it's our part to find out why. How about this scripture says, ask and you shall receive. Well, we can ask the Spirit of God to reveal to us what's going on like that. In that, in that situation with that seed, with that gift, whatever it was. Now, we may not like what he gives us for an answer. But we better like it once we get it, because if he gives that to us, we're going to find out where we need to do something. This is part of the issue right here. Well, we would like to have, we'd like to be able to see that word of God produce a harvest in our life in that area. So now that we have received an instruction, now we can do something about it. So that's, I mean, that's my preference on recording seed. You don't have to do that if you don't want it. It's between you and the Lord, however you do it. But I know I've, I've done it for years in my life, and I find it to be effect, effective. <clears throat> All right, so. All right, I'm going to read through the whole verse this time. Try to get through the whole verse. Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Now, wait a minute. I thought God was the one that was going to do all this stuff for me. Well, you better find the chapter and verse for that or whatever. Now, he has told us to speak, has he not? Whether to declare the word of God, or you can declare the word of God over this verse right here. Man will be the one given to our bosom as long as we're on planet Earth. And you say, well, why can't God just give it to us? Because that'd be easier. Well, it may or may not be easier. But one main reason he cannot do it. Well, don't, make, calm down now. Don't tell me God cannot do something. Well, by his nature and character, we can figure out the things that he can't do. God is not going to rain down U.S. dollars on planet Earth. Because if he did, he'd be a counterfeiter. He's not going to be a counterfeiter. But he had plenty of ways. Because the U.S. dollars in this country to come into your hands. Part of that will be giving and receiving. Not in its total totality, but that's at least part of it. We also will have a job. We agree to work for somebody for X amount of money, an hour a day, a week, whatever the situation is, and then they pay, pay you. Well, that's a way for you to get U.S. dollars or whatever. So God's not going to rain them down because the verse specifically said, Shall men give into your bosom? He's going to use human beings on planet Earth. You say, well, these people have a lot of money. He's got that well taken care of. <clears throat> Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. With the same measure. Now, I for, and I'm not saying, well, let me, let me get the first part of the statement out, I guess. For years, I only thought that meant for the same as you meet, it should be measured to you again. I felt, well, if I gave somebody $10, $20, $50, $100, whatever the amount be, that's the way it's going to come back. That can work, 
That can work, but that's not the only way it works. And I think when we look at this verse this evening, at least in my understanding, in my belief, we're going to find out it's more than likely to be that word measure meaning something else. Now let me do this. Uh, let me read a couple of these words because I didn't get meaning of the Greek definition in the scripture we just looked at because I didn't uh, say much about them going through. The word given is really going to be give or given is going to be very easy to understand. It's a verb to begin with, used in a very wide application to deliver, to bring forth, to give up, to grant, the power to receive. All these have to do with that giving. When he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. The word measure is a degree of measure, an instrument for measuring a vessel for receiving and determining the quantity of things. It is having to do with a measure. Like, I have a little quarter cup plastic measuring spoon thing, whatever you want to call it. Well, what do you get that for? Well, because it's part of the whole set. And a quarter of a cup equals, I'm not positive in this part, but I say quarter of a cup, scratch that. I'm not talking about a quarter of a cup. I do use a quarter cup to measure my oil in the popcorn. It's a whole different story. But <laughs> scratch that. This is a little, I believe it's a tablespoon. And if there is four, forget it. I'm not going to try to figure that fact out. But the point is, I use that to measure. It's the amount of oil that's called for in the recipe I use for a muffin mix. So that's a measure. Don't go dumping three-quarter cup on that sucker because these things are going to take them a week to cook and they're not going to be tasting right. So it's a measure. It's part of an ingredient. It's part of a design in a teaching thing. So it's a measure. <clears throat> All right. Press down, shaken together, and running over. How about running over? I wonder what that means. To pour out over the top. To overflow. To overflow and run over. As Pastor was sharing just a few weeks ago about the disciples in the, in the boatload of fish. I mean, too much. They had too much. They were sinking the blasted boat. And it's, the boat's sinking in the water. I know well about that. I grew up on an island. And you don't want your boat sinking in the water. That's bad news. <laughs> so... <clears throat> But these all having to do with measure. All right, so now let's come down. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I think what they're talking about there is this. It's speaking and having to do with the measure of faith that you used, that you relied upon that you gain from the word of God in the scripture about when you give, it's given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Show men, you notice there's different grades there. Pressed down, then shaken together, and then running over. Show men give in your bosom. For with the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I think in our prayer time, in our confession time, in our speaking the word of God and acting on the word of God, the measure is going to have much to do with the measure of faith that we're relying upon in speaking about in professing. It's that faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it is our faith, that measure of faith that we're acting on. And hence you can see how that would tie in with why does the scripture say, well, some 30 some 60, and some 100-fold. Well, he likes some not too much, and he only gets 30-fold. And others he likes a lot, and they get 100-fold. No. It's not a matter of how he likes it. It's you and I that are on planet Earth. We're the ones that are operating in seed time and harvest. We're the ones that are operating in giving and receiving. And so it has to do in our life with the measure of faith we're believing in that. <clears throat>
Okay, my note does say, I suggest here that the measure is not the dollar amount, if it was dollars, nor the value of a gift. Somebody may give you a diamond ring. And if you'd like to have one, hopefully you get one. I'd, I'd prefer to have something other than a diamond ring myself, but anyhow. Whatever the value of the gift was, but it's the measure of faith you released when you spoke and gave. See, our faith always has to be involved in our life when we're operating in the Word of God. And so you speak the Word of God by faith in this situation, and notice the two go together. In your giving, it has to do with your speaking. I'll put it this way. It should have to do with our speaking. Don't just roughly or loosely or whatever off the cuff throw $5 in somebody's hand. They may appreciate that. And you can tell them, God bless you and keep on walking or whatever. But as far as sowing and reaping, then we should understand we should be exercising faith in that. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I believe, God, you're going to bring this back to me as your word says, good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over. Because it does have to do with the exercise of our faith, the confidence and trust we have in God and his kingdom and his word in this area of finances. <clears throat> uh, now we have a long one. Let me just ask you this. Uh, you say, well, don't put anybody in the spot. Well, I'm not trying to put you in the spot. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. But I did mention a week or so ago that you might want to read through 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 because we'd be going through it. The more you and I read that, I can guarantee you this. And whether you read it before or right now, in the German phrase is Mach's Nicks. <clears throat> doesn't really amount to a whole lot. However, we do want to read the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why it also can help when you read it out loud sometime. <clears throat> but anyhow, we will go through. I don't know as we'll get through all of this this evening. It's, I would say it's somewhat doubtful, if you will. Uh, so let's do this. Uh, well, let's just go for it, I guess. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I don't know if it has a heading in your Bible on this, but the heading in my iPad here in the King James Version of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it calls it encouragement to give generously. Generously. Well, that is going to be in the context. That absolutely is going to be in the context, as we'll see when we go through. But if it doesn't say encouragement to give generously, you better get rid of that thing. No, just <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. All right, let's go. We're not going to have. I'm going to have to try to breeze through this fairly quickly. I think there's more specifically speaking in chapter nine, but this eight is setting it up. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how, then in a, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, there's a word for your abundance, it's talking about joy here, not in this context talking about money, but it's the abundance of their joy, that tells their condition, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. We might not want to be a liberal uh, politically speaking, but we should be liberal in our giving and in the kingdom of God. That's our nature, if you will, because that's God's nature. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same 
grace also. Your, your, our giving and receiving is tied in with this word grace. It's the grace of God working in our lives. Therefore, as ye skimp, excuse me, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, I would say diligence is a close relative to faithfulness, diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. See that you abound in this grace of giving. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Are they trying to, what's that verse trying to tell us? My goodness. Talking about Jesus, that he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might rich. You'll hear some people say, oh boy, he's another one of these health and wealth preachers. Well, thank you very much. I accept that. But what are they really saying? What are they really saying in their mindset? It's, it's a downer. Oh, they're a health and wealth preacher. Well, what do you want me to be? A lack and sick preacher? What's your choice? They're health and wealth. Well, they can be sick and poor then. They don't need to be up there. But <clears throat> this is telling us here about the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that is our mindset. I suggest to you that you will not prosper to the extent and to the envision that God has for you until we change our minds in this area. And I understand it can be intimidated. I know I think I shared this once before. I don't have, I've got to talk fasting because I haven't ever had to go. But <clears throat> I remember the first time I heard a preacher that I had respected for years and still do to this day. But he was ministering on this. And this is when I was new to it. And he's talking about being in excess. Oh, no, I said, look, I'll make a little feedback on that when I put my hand up there, but, oh, no, he says. I says, excess, why did he have to do that? We're going to talk about excess. Well, he starts taking two from scriptures, and you can find out there might be something here you need to learn and take part of, and then I can, now I can see it, but I didn't see it there at first, but I'm suggesting you and I, we're not, we are part of the the health and wealth gospel, if they want to call it that, if that's the phraseology, whatever they want to mean by it. But it's a whole lot better off than being sick and poor, and you don't see that Jesus put up with either one of those, meaning sick, sick or poor. Verse 10, And herein I give my advice for this, it is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, what's the first kind better be? A willing mind. You could have $100,000, and you were willing to part with 11 of them. Well, that's a big generous thing right there. But anyhow, <clears throat> first is going to be a willing mind according to the word of God. If to be first a willing mind is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye burdened, but by an equality. Now at this time, your abundance, check that word out, may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be an equality. In other words, we don't want one part of our body being totally sick and ravaged with disease and pain and everything else, but the rest of the body is okay. No, we want the whole body to be in good shape, spirit, soul, and body. <clears throat> Yeah, see that, but I'm just looking at this page and thinking, man, you either got to talk quick or something if we're going to get through it all. But that's all right, here we go. Second Corinthians 8, 16. But thanks be to God which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. 
For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And when we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace. Again, we're talking about giving and receiving, being a grace of God. Which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. There's plenty of people blaming, quote-unquote, health and wealth preachers now because they have abundance. They should read the Word of God. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things. The word diligent is close to diligence, which is close to being faithful. But now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you or our brethren. Be inquired of, they are messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and the boasting on your behalf. So that's a preface, if you will, to the next chapter, verse 9. Excuse me, chapter 9. And again, we'll have to go through this one relatively quickly also. For as touching the ministering to the saints, isn't that part of what I give and receive is all about? Ministering to the saints? No, it's not just exclusively the saints. You have a neighbor that's having a hard time and the Spirit of God prompts you. Help so-and-so with a certain amount of money. That certain amount of money may, said may, may open their heart a little bit, begin to hear and think about God and his word, and then eventually become born again. <clears throat> for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked many. Your zeal in reference to finances in the kingdom of God and giving and receiving has provoked many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready. So these, these, these believers have already agreed with him that they're going to have this offering from him when he comes and all. So now he's just being diligent, saying, we just want to make sure things are right so that you won't be ashamed and I won't be ashamed when the people we send come to you. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not at covetousness. Do you want to know what that word bounty is? Let me get down here. It's a language, a speaking, a hearer, a benefit. And it also refers to it as as fine speaking. Uh, When I leave off here. Okay, yeah. But this I say, verse 6. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now we can understand that. In the natural, if you planted six tomato plants, well, you're going to get more than six tomatoes, but your harvest will not be as big as the guy that just planted six acres of tomato plants because he was doing it for a business or whatever. Gain, you can make increase out of the thing. So there's a difference. Uh, sowing and our reaping is going to be de- depending on what the amount is. You read that again. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, 
And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Let me bring up one more word that just came. This word sparingly, it can mean stingily. It's used here in this context as sparingly. It can mean stingily, which would be the same thing. I mean, you feel the, you see a need in somebody's life, let's put it that way, and your compassion goes to them, and, you know, just make up figures. You, had a, you, got, a, you got 12 20s in your wallet, but you go talk to Ben and say, Ben, you got change for a 20? In other words, you want to give him five. Now, if the Spirit of God told you, give that individual $5, well, that's a whole different story. Because that's exactly what you should give them. Because you're in then obedience to God's word and direction. But stingily can come along. Put it this way. Stingily is what the adversary would try to put in our minds. He'd like the plant that, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to give him too much. Why does he want to give too much? Because you'd be getting a whole lot more. He don't want that. He's against that. <clears throat> so he's the one that's stingily dude. Every man, according as he purposes in his what? In his heart, it's not just in our head, it's in our heart condition and our faith going along with it. Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth what? A cheerful giver. Let's take just a second and look at a couple of those words. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly. Grudgingly. Oh, I hit the wrong. Grudging is sorrow, pain, grief, and affliction. I mean, if you're doing this with sorrow and pain and wishing you weren't even going to be involved, that's not going to do any good. In reality, just keep the money in your own pocket. You're better off doing that. Again, unless he gave you a specific instruction to do something to somebody. But this is what he's saying here. As we purpose in our heart, not grudging of necessity, for God loves a, a cheerful giver. That one's easy to say. It's one that's willing and merry and joyous. And you know what? That will show up in their countenance and in their display of kindness and all when it happens that way. The individual may have never even heard about a bully before, never even damp in the door of a church. But when that happened, he's going to notice something. He or she's going to notice something when, when the, somebody gave to him that way. <clears throat> uh, jump down to verse 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He that ministers seed to the sower. You know who's going to minister seed to the sower? God's going to minister seed to the sower. As we are faithful, as we're obedient, he will cause the increase to come in our life. You now, you received a 30 or a 60 or a 100 full harvest because of what you did in obedience to what God prompted you to do. Well, now you've got much more to work with. And he's going to be asking you to work with something with that. He said, was he going to do it the very next day? I don't know. If you haven't, haven't noticed, I'm not God. And I'm not the Holy Spirit either. But they will guide us. They'll lead and guide us. They'll show us. And we have the benefit, the opportunity, the privilege to reciprocate with that in the kingdom of God and to the body of Christ. <clears throat> uh, He that ministers seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. I'm, I would say I'm sure, but I use that word sure too much sometimes, I think. But I don't know, but I can imagine, let's put it that way, there's been, of the people that are in this room right now, somebody sometime in your life has given you something 
And you were thankful for that, as it says here. For many thanksgivings unto God. You were thankful for that. And you're thanking God for it. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And that's what God has given to us. Jesus is an unspeakable gift. The Holy Spirit is an unspeakable gift. Meaning, words, not enough words to describe it. But where are you going to do that? But that's who God is in our lives. And that's what he wants us to be. <clears throat> The last line on the page. God has plenty for all of us. He needs men and women to believe his word. When we actually, literally believe that word, we're going to act on it. We're going to act. And again, this context is finances in the kingdom of God, giving and receiving. <clears throat> I have, how much time have we got? One minute. Well, I might steal about three or four then. How's that? No, actually, I won't steal them. I'm going to borrow about three or four. I want to read something to you that, yeah. I just have to find the right button to push here. I KO'd it. Uh... This came to me recently. I only want to bring out a brief portion of it. There's a lot more that goes with it. How many have ever heard of Harvard, the university? Does anybody know where that's located? Connecticut. No, it's in New England, though. Boston. Where? Boston. Very close. Very, very close. Why do you say close? Is there or not? Well, it's actually in Cambridge, Mass. Well, how do you know that? Can't get I'm trying to keep this brief now, but I actually, I was in Boston once going to school for a brief period before I joined the military. And I had a job working at, oh man, what's the name of the company? They're still around today. I can describe the things that I worked on in the night shift. Sugar babies. The little round sugar babies thing in the yellow package. I'm making those suckers every night. So, But anyhow, how that fits in... <coughs> Is because I lived in Boston, but I had to leave Boston, go over the bridge from the Charles River and get into Cambridge, which is where Harvard's at. So, so much for that. We went from Harvard to Sugar Babies. They're going to love it there. So, <clears throat> That's where this country was founded and started, in the New England area, going back many, many, many years. I'll cite a few things in reference here in a minute. <clears throat> Actually, maybe if I read some, it would be easier and better. This country was founded on faith in God in New England. Oh, wait a minute, I don't know if I like that. I'm in Florida now. We got believers down here. Yeah, but Florida hadn't been thought of way back then. So anyhow, the country was founded on faith in God in New England. Schools like Harvard and Yale were begun to... Train ministers in God's word. And there's a, I believe the correct word is the headstone. Like if you build a big edifice and you put a big mark around front telling. Well, well, put it this way. Harvard used to have one of those. I can guarantee you that. Because I've seen it before and I've also looked it up online. And it would tell you what, what the verbiage was. And that's exactly what it was about. It was to train individuals in God's word. That's how it began. Uh, the details on the headstone tell us that Harvard began, take a wild guess when you think Harvard first began. I'll tell you this. It is absolutely, without question, the oldest school in the country. And I'll tell you this. It wasn't a country called the USA back then. That hadn't even happened yet. Venture a guess. Come here. Five, ten, twenty dollars. What's your answer? <laughs> Who? Okay. Go back farther. Sixteen twelve. Oh, very close. What's the other one? Sixteen ninety eight. 
Oh, okay, we'll give it. We'll give it to her. You said 1612? Good guess. Very good. It was actually, and this is interesting, in the month of September. This, well, this is the last day of September. I know it well. But Harvard began in September 1636. Can you imagine? They didn't even have iPhones then. It ain't have a country then, let alone an iPhone. 384 years ago. It was founded by Reverend John Harvard. And he donated land and monies for that to be there and, and grow and all. As early, this one here I found hard to believe. As early as 1638, Harvard had a printing press. It was the only print, printing press anywhere at that time. But again, they're college teaching people, training people. <clears throat> the early motto of Harvard was truth for Christ and the church. To prove worthy of a bachelor's degree, you had to read the Old and New Testaments in Latin. I flunked. I'd never been to Harvard. I never went to school to Harvard, that's for sure, but I can imagine that's a toughie. But they were serious about this stuff. <clears throat> in 1807, 171 years after its beginning, a new president was chosen, and this began the change from a godly and traditional ideas and beliefs to a more liberal mindset. Now, can you imagine that? We're thinking, well, liberals just happened last year. No, 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 no. And they changed things about Harvard. And here's one we can take a guess on also. Well, what's this got to do with anything? This next thing I'm going to tell you about. Harvard has what they call an endowment fund, which means it's, I mean, you figure there's a lot of people that go to Harvard to become lawyers and doctors, and they have technologists. They have like, I don't know, 13, 15, 20 different specialties all throughout they have there, whatever. But a lot of doctors and lawyers from New England, I know that from being up there. And so they give back to the school. So Harvard has an endowment fund. You know what the balance in Harvard's endowment fund is right now? Throw those wild numbers out there. All we can do is... How much? One billion dollars. Woo! Say what that? Six hundred and seventy-four million. Six hundred and seventy-four million. One billion. Come on. Up the ante. Three billion. Three what? Three billion. Three billion dollars. Oh my God! I'm spending a lot of money here tonight. Thirty-five billion. Thirty-five billion. Pretty good. All right. So that's the closest one yet. Harvard's endowment fund, as of the beginning of this year, is $40 billion. Wow. I believe that because I know somebody that just, they're older, they don't have no kids, and they decided when they, in their will, that they were going to give everything they had to Harvard, to mm -hmm. university. Yep. And I, 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 you know, instead of like a children's orphanage or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were going to give everything back to Harvard. And I thought, mm. oh, there's orphans that are starving in this world, and you're thinking about giving to somebody that's already had. So I can For, understand that. But. $40 billion in their entitlement fund. And if you took that figure, another interesting thing about it, they do not use any outside vendors. All their own finances, investments, and everything, they handle in-house. They probably don't want anybody else to know. But anyhow, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so $40 million is the amount of their endowment right now. And if you just took the interest rate that they could get, that you could get with that kind of money, now, remember, when you get a billion dollars next week, you're granted more interest than some other people. But anyhow, on their interest, nothing else, their investments, nothing else, they now gain about $1 billion a year. So, but ask yourself, 
What in the world is all that good? Sitting up there and doing all that stuff. Well, that's who they are and that's their mindset. And if the gentleman, Mr. Harvard, that started the school, if he's listening this evening, he'd probably figure, man, what are they doing with all that money up there? So, But part of that point is there's a lot of money in this country. There's a lot of money in this world. And guess who God would like to have controlling that money? Not liberal professors. Not other people. That's for you and I. And so as we study to show ourselves approved unto him, as we operate and cooperate in giving and receiving and do not do it sparingly and grudgingly, God can entrust us with more as stewards and faithful. And believe me, he... He needs people to be able to do this. He absolutely does. And you and I fit the bill. Amen. I'll send him a letter this week. Praise God. Right after class. So. <clears throat> so, so much for having. Uh, but God, God wants you and I to live in the land of plenty. That's what he envisions. That's what his desire. That is what it's made and been created for. And it's our job just to cooperate with it. Just Choose to believe God and cooperate with it. Father, I thank you for our time again together this evening. I thank you specifically for your word. How the Holy Spirit does open the eyes of our understanding. Helps us to see and grasp a whole of what you have for us. So I, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is here to do that this evening. And I speak your blessing upon this church, upon this fellowship, and upon everybody here this evening. the kingdom.